You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, where it's season 12, episode 5. Uh, I'm John, and joined tonight by Vinny. How are you doing? Hi John, uh, I'm 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 good. I'm good. It's been um, in some ways feels like a, a long summer, but the, the football's not really stopped. I think I attended my my last game of last season very late in June at an amateur cup final, and then the following week stumbled across a a pre-season friendly when I was on holiday. So that was the that was the new season starting. So the football's not really stopped, but it's been a wee while since I've been able to join you guys. So um, looking forward to this tonight. Thanks for having me. Well, you say that, but you've been on the SWPL1 specials, but I believe some of that was recorded over the summer. Yeah, yeah. So that was a great project to be involved with. Um, big thanks to, to John Bleasdale for inviting me on it. Um, so that, that's been a process that's gone on um, over a few weeks, well, probably a, over a month or so, um, just interviewing uh, representatives from all of the SWPL1 uh, teams. It was it was great fun, really really good fun to to do, and um, I think the the podcast has been well received. Lots of nice comments, um, uh, but yeah, it, first and foremost, it was it was great fun to do. Uh, yeah, no, it was really good. I've listened to both of them. Uh, fantastic, yeah, really good. Especially for a, an insight into someone that's not got as much knowledge about the women's game as maybe yourself or John or someone else. So yeah, no, really good. Um, so we've got another, well, I can't really call it a preview podcast unless we kid on this was recorded like three weeks ago. Um, but we're going to cover the championship tonight, so it's more covering the championship. We're obviously two games in, uh, and someone that's new to the championship uh, this season. Uh, we had him on the Premiership podcast last year, and he was great. So we've got him back. Is Ethan Dundee fan? How are you doing? Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Yeah, good to have you. Um, yeah, so the championship. Enjoying it so far? Uh, I mean, I find positives. I'm optimistic in general. So, yeah, like, as, as, as much as I can. Uh, when we actually, when we first got relegated, my dad uh, sat and said, you know, you could probably make a list of, of positives, your pros and cons. And he said, the biggest pro is uh, we have to deal with that, that VAR pish, as, as he put it. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, you know, you can always find um, spots of light, you know, in, in the darkness of the tunnel. Aye, definitely. I know that, that is a positive. Plus, also as well, surely another positive is Mark McGee not being there anymore. Uh, yeah, well, with with the managerial change, and most Dundee fans, what you'll speak to, will say it's now a complete um, uh, breath of fresh air. Uh, it's with the, with the man at the helm now, Gary Boyer, just seems to breed so much positivity that yeah, the whole the whole kind of club's kind of turn over its head and we had it before when uh, when Jim McIntyre left and James McPeak uh, arrived it was the it was the same effect but there's certainly a lot of optimism right now in the camp and that's even despite uh, uh, you know a bump in the tracks uh, two, two weeks ago opening day championship uh, against Puck Thistle a dis- disappointing home defeat but that aside we covered well against Wraith and that optimism that I had throughout the pre-season and the, the, the League Cup group stage it's still well and truly there yeah, um, one of the kind of first questions that I had actually from someone was about Gary Boyer coming in. So in terms of like from him coming in, what type of changes have you seen um, compared to last season? 
compared to last season uh, specifically, uh, it's, well, it's still very early days. I've, I've actually only been to two games uh, this season. I missed, I missed um, pre-season and I only caught one of the games in the League Cup. That was against Forfar. I, I missed the Park Thistle game uh, due to working commitments. But I was, I was in the away end at Wraith Rovers on Saturday. And uh, one thing that's quite apparent is with Boyer, it's very much now much more of a well-grounded team in regards to, um, you know, with Mark McGee, he liked to keep things really simple, um, although it wasn't all that effective. It was, you knew it was going to happen before it was going to happen. It was the long ball approach, look to find the striker, then the striker will have to do all the work for looking for the support and play. Whereas now it's a case of when you're off the ball, you're on it. It's, it's high intensity, high pressure. Um, you know, and even against Forfar, you know, f- five five nil up, I think at the time, or maybe four nil up at the time, coasting the game, no danger. Forfar pull a goal back, and Boyer's absolutely furious in the you know in the dugout. And it's been quite a few years since we've had something that demands that level of of standard, that level of expectation. But you might be winning, but you, you don't let these these standards drop. Yeah, and I noticed as well over the summer there's not been that much of a change in terms of playing personnel. Looks like a kind of similar case to what Kamarik have done, where they've kept a a premiership budget in the hope that I'm obviously going straight back up? Well, one of the biggest issues Dundee have had uh, in recent years, or really perhaps a bit longer, for about, about a decade, uh, Dundee really never seemed to keep the squad. We've had constant squad overhauls and you know you can't you can't live like that. And obviously, you know, it's been, been tough for Dundee in that regard. You need to have a, a core that you, you can build on, you know, the spine to the team that you can, you can build around. And that's one thing that... Uh, James McPake probably deserves a lot of credit for at his time at the club was he identified that as an issue and he tied down these players that will that have been in the team for a few years and should be for you know the foreseeable future. Um and and yeah, Boyer's only brought in, I think, two of his own, maybe three of his own guys thus far. He's he's still uh, wanting to dip into the, the transfer market, bring a few more faces in. But the core of that squad are, are certainly good enough to get out of the championship and into the premiership. And personally, I felt they were good enough to stay up last season. Just, uh, just mismanaged overall as a, as a squad. Yeah, Are you disappointed to lose anyone out the players that have gone. I'm trying to think of everyone who's, who's went. Uh, Danny Mullen. Uh, I think most fans are kind of like you know could take it or leave it. I quite like I quite like uh, Mullen to be honest. I thought he was a really hard worker, a good grafter. Um, I think he's going to make a good asset to Park Thistle this season in the championship. Um, so I, I was quite disappointed to see him leave. But I, I felt if he had stayed at Dundee, he could have you know built on a. Uh, a decent legacy or had a go in there. He had a knack for scoring in big games. You know, he'd scored in the derby, he'd scored in the playoff final against Kilmarnock, scored against Hearts when we were you know, competing with Hearts in the championship. He, he had, had a knack for coming up in the big moments and I felt like he could have built on that. Um, so I was, I was a little disappointed to see him leave. You know, good good player, Danny Mullen. Other than him, I'm, I'm actually kind of struggling a little bit to think of players that I've left because there's, there's not been that many. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Adam would be the obvious one. Sorry, yeah, Charlie Adam. I was I was devastated with 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 him uh, departing the club. I was really hoping for one more year, and you know, and if it does prove to be a, a good season and we will get promoted, that would have been a, you know a nice sending off for him instead of you know, you know, because now, now now the fairy tale is yeah, I came back to the boyhood club and got relegated. Has yeah. that promotion in the first season, of course, but it would have been, it would have been nicer to have a little a nice sending off that way, you know. Aye, definitely. Uh, Vinny, obviously you're a party Thistle fan, so um, Danny Mullen, were you pleased with him signing? Yeah, it was It was actually quite a pleasant surprise. I know I, we, we have now in a position where we look quite healthy up front, 
which we've not had for a, a number of years. Um, last year, in the, in the League One season as well, we had Brian Graham and Zach Rudden very much this front two, and they were worked so so well together, and um, they they were doing similar things the first half of last season, and um, I, I think we we spoke about it uh, sort of. Sort of March, April time, thinking about what's what's going wrong at Thistle because we were we were in a bit of a slump, and people were asking about the pitch and Brian Graham. He had COVID, he was unwell and whatnot. But for me, one of the biggest things was was losing Zach Rudden, um, uh, obviously to Dundee, and we got Alex Kubiak in, in return. Who you know, actually, you're talking about uh, Danny Mullen, Ethan, talking about how harder worker he is and stuff. I had a lot of time for Alec Jakubiak. I, th- I thought that he he was unlucky not to score more goals when he was with us. I think he only ended up one goal uh, in his time with us, but um, I've, I've really liked him as a player. Um, but now this season, um, Brian Graham's still the main man, but you know he's uh, 35 now, I think. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's he's not going to play every single game, every, every single minute of every single game. Um, but we've recruited, I think, really well up front. We've signed uh, Anton Dowd, who will hopefully continue the form that he had at our growth and, uh, and latterly when he went back to Falkirk. Um, he's a big guy. I, I wonder if he's seen as the long-term replacement for Brian Graham. Um, we've also got Danny Mullen. And the other striker that we brought in is Tony Weston from Rangers, who and he scored 35 goals for the Colts last season. So we've, we've actually got options and, you know, different types of players. Um, Danny Mullen, you know, straight away scored in his debut, um, mm. albeit a tap-in, but you've, you've got to be in the right positions for it. So already in a couple of instances I saw him, he came on on uh, Saturday as well. And yeah, it was... You know exactly as you describe, Ethan. Um, hard working, bit, bit of a nuisance, and, and gets into good positions. Um, he is offers something different from like Dowds and Graham, and that he's a wee bit more mobile. You can see him linking up more uh, with with the midfield rather than being a poacher per se. But I, th- I think he's probably got that ability as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it was a really encouraging sign from our point of view. Um, Ethan, I was going to ask you a question about uh, Boyer coming in. You're saying about there being a sort of, a, although not wholesale changes with the, the playing staff, but is it is it fair to say there's been a bit of a culture change then? Do you think at, um, at Dundee, sometimes you, you see that when a, a new manager comes in and it, it's something that goes right from, from top to bottom. And I'm wondering if all his background work, like he was a youth coach and he's done under 23s and obviously he's went to Salford. So he's kind of worked his way up. I wonder if having someone who has gone through that has given him a greater appreciation of a club as a whole rather than, you know, Mark McGee. Okay, he was a he, he was a player himself, but kind of just went into management. He didn't, he didn't necessarily go through those same levels that someone like Boyer has done. Um, do you think that that's, that that's a thing, that the, the whole place has had a lift because of him? Yeah, certainly. In regard to him being an under-23s manager at one point, before that, he was, he was, he was still in senior management. He was at Blackburn to begin with. And he said that one of the, you know, the early days you know, of getting the job, he felt that there was a lot of similarities between Blackburn and Dundee in terms of the way how the board operate and whatnot. Uh, and I think his, his record with the under-23s back at Derby, alongside 
the younger players he tried to bring through into, into senior squads. That was a big um, factor into what let him get the Dundee job in the first place. John Nelms was very specific that there was a criteria to meet. And we all kind of felt that that would have to be there because there's a this core of, of young players coming through at Dundee right now that all look like exceptional talents. And it's very important, obviously, to, to, to nurture them and uh, develop them thoroughly. And especially when you're in the championship as well, it's one of the, it's probably the biggest positive from getting relegated as it gives these boys a chance to get right in the first team. It's, it's, it's a great level for them to, you know, to test themselves at and to see what they can, they can accomplish as opposed to having to loan them out somewhere else. Um, I think if I remember correctly, John Nelms said that his record was he picked up points in 66% of his matches where he was implementing younger players in the side. So said that, that was an absolute uh, must to, to bring him in in that regard, at least in that, uh, that factor. So, yeah, it, it, it absolutely does play a part, the under-23s background. And, yeah, there, there's a bit of a culture change, I feel, now. It's more of a, a culture reset. When I, when I, you know, when I was, when I was uh, in, in the past, when it was guys like, you know, Jockey Scott, that was a manager, you felt like it was guys that, that those were guys that knew what the, the club was about. Um, and then in recent years, it's been, and to be fair, I, I've got a lot of time for guys like Neil McCann and Jason McPake, but with these kind of more rookie managers, and even though even the more experienced guys like Jim McIntyre as well, they're never really the, the right fit. Uh, I regret to say that in, in regard to McPake and, and McCann because they, they both had uh, their own ideas that I, I did I did heavily support at the time. It just obviously it wasn't, wasn't meant to be. Uh, but it's like a bit of a reset in that regard that, you know, these guys that came in and they couldn't really get the grasp of everything. feels like this guy coming in, he has this willingness to learn, this willingness to, to understand and take everything at the helm. Uh, one thing that got him, the fans really behind him was uh, we've got a new training facility now at the Gardine campus, uh, the college. And uh, because it's new, it's a new setup. He's, he's the manager. He gets his say on how he wants his office to look. And he, he personally insisted that there's a photo of Bobby Cox, you know, Dundee's title winning captain back in 1962. There's a photo of him uh, with the pitch invaders when we won the league. And he, he insisted that that photo hangs in his office. And he was talking about how it's important to have, you know, Bobby watching over us and and you know, I think that really captures a lot of a lot of the Dundee fans that think you know this guy's got a willingness to to understand the culture here at the club and you know, get things back the way they used to be. Yeah, it's it's not just progression from his point of view. He's also um, he's also respecting the past that's been there as well. Mm-hmm. That that's, that sounds really encouraging. Um, yeah, you, you you must be pleased with it so far. Yeah, so far the only thing we've had to complain about is the is the thistle game. No, I I, I missed that. Um, my, my dad was there, and he and he said that we, we weren't we weren't terrible, so to speak. It was just uh, uh, lapses of, of judgment in the, in the defence. Certain points have just cost us. Um, but in saying that, we we're, we're looking to have a really good season this season, and of course there's several exceptions. But in every good season, you need to have a humbling. You need to come back down to earth. You need, you need that bit of the arse to say right, okay, no. Here's a reminder of what you're up against. You've got to raise the levels. You've got to, you've got to be at it. You, you, you drop slightly, you'll be punished. You'll be made to pay. So that was the, the one positive I could take from it was we were flying so high from the League Cup. You don't want to go over your head. Bring back down to earth. That, this is the task at hand. Don't let that happen again. And surely enough, we, go, we went to the Starks Park, went to Kokori, and we got the three points in the clean sheet. Just all that matters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think with, with that... I think from our point of view, we were given probably the the hardest fixture on on opening day. You're going to probably title favourites away from home, 
And um, to, to come out the traps the, the, the way that we did, I mean, I've I, I only watched the game back. I, I wasn't up at Dundee, um, mainly because I wasn't paying 24 quid uh, <laughs> uh, to, to sit behind the goals. Um, but uh, so I watched the game back and some of the football that we played was just sensational. Um, the, the, the first goal by Aidan Fitzpatrick, it takes a wee deflection on, on the way through, but the, the build-up play to it was, was phenomenal. And yeah. yeah, there was a lapse in concentration for the second goal for we Stevie Lawless to score. Um, but I'd, I'd obviously heard heard the commentary, how the goal came about, and I thought, well, I can't wait to see this. And when I saw it, I, I actually was quite taken aback by how much Lawless still had to do. Yeah. Um, and actually, out of the three goals, his was maybe the, the best finish because he really had to get that ball under control and, and put it in the one bit where the keeper wasn't going to get it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think when it goes 3-0, um, what was it, the Thistle fans? Also, they were wondering if there'd uh, been a fire alarm going off in the dairy end. Because <laughs> you could just see the streams of Dundee fans leaving after 50 minutes. But then, in true Thistle fashion, uh, by by the second half, I thought 3-0, brilliant. And I was out with... Um, out with two of the other kids we were out a walk and had the notification come on my phone and it was 3-1 and I didn't look at my phone for the next 15-20 minutes because I thought I know exactly what's happening here <laughs> but thankfully we managed to hang on to it um, with, with a very makeshift defence um, but I think like you say it just gives it, it probably gives Dundee a wake-up call but I think it gives the whole league a wake-up call that you, 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 you'll find you're not a stranger to the championship, Ethan, but um, and you'll remember fondly. But I think anyone looking at it will look at that and think anyone could beat anyone, and that that will be the same every single week. I think there's not one team that I think is really weak, and there's not one team that I think is really strong. There's probably ourselves, Dundee, maybe Hamilton, if the John Rankin experiment works out, who will be challenging at that top end. Maybe, and then bottom end. Well, Wraith Rovers there in free fall. Um, that's a shame, isn't it? Um, uh, so they're they're maybe looking like favourites to go down. Morton picking up a win though, and so it, it just just goes to show it's it's a crazy league, and it's going to be just as crazy this year. But I would I would back I would back Wraith Rovers to recover. I don't I don't think they'll they'll be down there personally. I think they will find their feet eventually. Um, but. Yeah, the, the last two campaigns we had get promoted into the Premiership. Both opening days we had uh, defeats and quite heavy defeats. Um, when we won the league in 2014, we got beat 4-3 away at Queen of the South after going like 4-1 down. And Queen of the South at that point were just newly promoted from League One and we'd just been freshly relegated. So, uh, and then the other one was the playoff winning season. We took like a 6-2 battering at Tynecastle against Hearts. So, again, like I say, sometimes it, it is completely necessary. You, you need to have a, a, a sore defeat to, to rally the boys and get going again. And that's not just the case with, with Dundee. Like, like I say, there's, there's certain exceptions with various teams that can go a league season unbeaten. But generally speaking, teams that go and have great seasons, there's always a, kind of, there's a, there's a moment in there where they, they're, they're sore, they take a bad low to help them reach their next, uh, their highest height of that season. Um, but yeah, you're right, though, it's, it's a crazy league. It's because it's ten teams as well, and it tends to get so tight. You know, a run of form within a month can completely turn the table up on its head, and yeah. it's, it's, it'll be good. I'm, ex- I'm I'm excited for it. 
I'm just hoping that we're going to be the ones out on top, of course. But I, I, the championship has always been a league I've had. You know, I hate to see my team in it, but I have a lot of time for it. Even when we're in the Premiership, I like to keep an eye on it and see how everyone's doing. Uh, because it's it, for me, it's one of the most exciting leagues in Britain. If yeah, not, it's good. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's good fun. It really is good fun. But um, it's a wee bit more fun if you're top of the pile. <laughs> so see, prior to the season started, I actually bowled for your predictions. And you both had your teams winning the title. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think our recruitment has been phenomenal. It's as good a squad as I've seen at Thistle for a long, long time. There's been comparisons drawn between the our 12-13 um, team that won the, the last ever first division. Um, and obviously having someone like Lawless coming back, um, that's that's been really nice. But getting Fitzpatrick back, that's huge. Hanging on to Scott Tiffany. I spoke about our attacking options. We've got Darren Brownlee back. He, he missed all of last season, um, which was horrendous. Um, so Darren Brownlee's back. We have improved at left-back and right-back. Uh, Richard Foster uh, is away. We've got Jack McMillan in at right-back, who I think is fast becoming uh, my favourite player this season. Um, Harry Milne. At left back is a sensation. I'll be amazed if he finishes the season with us. Um, he could easily be away in January. Um, I know that Aberdeen were looking at him, John. Yeah. Um, and Hibs as well, for, I think. And there was a couple yeah, of clubs. Yeah. So for whatever reason, um, maybe like Ashton Lane or something like that. But he's 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 come to Far Hill, so we're absolutely delighted. But um, Matt Greer, um, who's the um, the host of uh, the Draw, Loser, Draw, Patrick Thistle podcast, he got it spot on talking last week about Harry Milne. When, you know, 90, 95% of fullbacks in the country would play a sideways pass or go back to their centre-back, Harry Milne plays a forward pass or takes his man on. Um, it's 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 incredible. Um, such a gifted footballer. So I, I'm surprised he's went under the radar for so long because he's, he's not he's not really that young. I think he's maybe 23 or 24. So he's, he's not like an 18, 19 year old who's burst onto the scene. He's been about for a wee bit, but really impressed with him. Um, and, you know, it, it says a lot when we're talking about whether Stuart Bannigan necessarily gets a place in this team because the midfield's looking so strong with, with Cole McKinnon coming in on loan from Rangers. So we've got options all over the park and um, they're, you know, they're all good options. Scott Tiffany started the season injured, but you're already thinking, like, do you, who do you take out? Do you take out Fitzpatrick? Do you take out Lola? You, you can't decide. So at the moment, Scott Tiffany, who has been our best player for, for two years, might not necessarily get a start. Um, so that, that that's why I kind of plumped for us. I looked at the other teams, thought there's not huge signs of improvement. A lot of unknown signings um, going on. Um, so I, I think we do have the best squad on paper. Um, but obviously Dundee, with their experience, like you said, Ethan, there's not been wholesale changes. There's there's, there's guys in that team who, who know um, the Premiership. They, they, they know the standard that they need to be at. And Boyer might well get the, the best out of them. So it'll be an interesting battle. But um, yeah, your reasons behind uh, having yourselves as favourites, Ethan? Uh, even if I take off my dark blue tinted specs off for a second, um, I, I would still probably back Dundee to, to do the distance. I mean, 
the feeling with Dundee, like I say in previous seasons, tends to be that there's there's good teams, there's good squads, there's good players, but it's never managed correctly. Whereas now I feel like we've got a guy at the helm that, that brings a you know like it's, we tend to go for managers that are too inexperienced, and the two ones that were experienced were clearly not fit for the job prior to them getting the job anyway. I think everyone could see that that was going to be a disaster before it happened. Um, whereas now it just seems like a like a proper professional appointment, a guy with not just experience, but you know positive experience. Uh, he's worked with some top players in the past. He's achieved promotions in the past as well. Uh, I think the most latest one was with uh, Blackpool. And um, when Blackpool had suffered uh, consecutive relegations, he was the guy to pick them up and get them promoted from League Two back into to League One. And then they're pretty decent the following season, finishing, I think, top half of the table. Um, so I think on top of it, the manager at the helm, that squad is it's very similar to the one that got promoted in the first place, but I would argue with, with improvements. In saying that, I, I still feel like we need to, you know, the transfer window's not done. There's still some time left, obviously. Um, but we, I think we still need a couple of bodies in. I think most Dundee fans will say that we would look to have another striker. Um, I, I love Zach Rudden. I think he's a really good player. Uh, he's not hit the heights that I know he's capable of hitting with, with us yet. But I, I think it's, he's, he's a bit of a confidence player. Would you find from his, from his time at Thistle? I, I think he just needs to get that goal, hit the ground running, and then he's, he's offset. I'd, I'd, com- I'd completely agree with that. So we, we had him in that league. When I look back at that League One team, it was insane, the players we had, like Penrice, Rudden, Graham. Like it was it was crazy, Tiffany. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Rudden went on a really bad win streak. And then it, it's, it's one of these things with strikers. He scored against, I think it was Clyde. And basically the ball was just rattled into him and he was a yard out and it smacks off his stomach and goes in. And then he went on this crazy scoring run. So it is exactly that. It was just he, he had to remember how to score again. Um, I can't say I'm I'm overly disappointed that he's he's not set the header early at Dundee. Just the way the the way things went, it was a. I think a lot of us were resigned to the fact that Rudden would leave, and I, be it in January or in the summer. But I think just all of us were a wee bit confused why. Dundee, it just it didn't seem a good fit um, at, at the time, um, you know. But from from a personal point of view, um, you know he's, he's he's a nice guy and stuff. So I hope it works out for him. But just so long as he doesn't find his scoring form against us. <laughs> well, I think I think he must have been sold on the idea that you know you join us, you can help us stay in the league, and you'll be a, a Premiership player. Because um, like what I find insane about last season, us getting relegated. That that summer, I was so optimistic. Because on paper, it was fucking, it was a fucking brilliant squad. Like Charlie Adam and, and Lee Griffiths and Nick, you know, in co. And then finishing bottom, uh, you know what happens? Um, I remember but, that Ethan, you had them finishing eighth last year. Yeah, because yeah, everyone had everyone was, everyone was battling for eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was quite good. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're running. I can see it. I, I, I've. I've followed his career before he was at Dundee and I've always liked the look of him. I, I think a lot of us say that we need another goal scorer through the door. Now, I'm never going to be against getting a goal scorer through the door, of course, but I feel Rudden could be that guy anyway. I think he's, he's got it in him. Um, he, he hit the post on uh, on Saturday against Wraith uh, and I, I felt quite gutted for him because, like I said, I, he just, he's, he's one goal away from, from popping off, you know, the head getting up, the tail up, and then he, he'll be off and shooting from all cylinders. But with, with him, with him aside... We've got Kelly and Sheridan, who's who's injured. Uh, we don't really know what, what what kind of time frame, but it's it's implied that perhaps it could be longer than than it should be. Um, 
Alex Jakubiak, you said you got a lot of time from him. I, I've got a lot of time from him as well. He's a really nice guy. I've, I've had the uh, privilege of meeting him a few times. Uh, lovely bloke. Really un unfortunate with, uh, with injuries. And I know people that have watched him in the past uh, and people that have actually played with him in the past as well. And they've all said that, you know, there's, there's a top player there, but he's just, he's just still trying to find his... Uh... But we found form in the, in the League Cup uh, in our pre-season, but then he's went ahead and got injured against, uh, against Wraith. So, again, we don't know how, for how long for, and it looks like a hamstring issue again. So, you know, hopefully it's nothing too serious because we're still yet to see the player was signed, you know, two, two three years ago. Uh, because his first his first two seasons at the club barely played one one due to a massive injury and the second came down to uh, an instant he had off out of football you got in a, he got uh, jumped uh, in a nightclub and then of course he sent away the party Thistle to find his form and I, I heard conflicting reports about his time at Thistle but I didn't think too much about it because I just kind of thought well you know he's he's just there to get playing and to get match fitness back and then when he's back in our in our squad you'll get his chance to show us what he can do. So I would, I would still probably say we need a striker alongside with Rudden. But with the likes of Niall McGinn and Paul McGowan, Paul McGowan this season especially looks a completely different player. He's, he's always been good, but he's always had a, a different role each season. And I don't know what it is, what Boyer's been feeding them, but he's, he looks like a completely like type of player, like, like, generally like a new signing because he's, he's got more of a creative influence about him now. He's a lot more silky on the ball. And I've said this to a few people, and they, they, they begin to notice it now. I think he's lost a lot of weight as well. He, he look, he, no, it's not just like with a hair transplant, but he actually looks a lot like <laughs> below flood now with just how, how thin he's getting. Um, but yeah, with the, yeah, the creative influences we have through Niall McGinn and Paul McGowan, and Niall McGinn of which has been pointed out to me that you know he's one of the very few internationalists in the championship too. He, he looks like a, a real touch of class. Um, you know, Last season, he wasn't really at the horses. I think he was lacking a lot of match fitness. Uh, the end of last season, we got to see a, a, more of the real Nelm again. And I think we're going to see that again this season, you know, the real Nelm again. So the, the step, there definitely is enough quality there. And again, like I said, a lot of nice young players coming through the flocks. Josh Mulligan, got, and Max Anderson specifically both have goals in their game. And I'm, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast before, but goal-scoring midfielders for some reason in the modern game seem to be really hard to come by. So to have them two coming up with that massive plus, uh, you know, Sean Byrne to dictate play, uh, you know, in that holding midfield role, got Finley Robertson as well, who's just exceptional on the ball, um, and the, uh, the same the same backline that effectively got us promoted in the first place. Albeit, you could argue it was, the, it was a similar backline that got us down last season. Um, I, I, th I think it, I think they'll, they'll they'll prove their mettle this season in in their hope in their bid to get us back up. Can Can I ask you about a player? Um, this, you ha you haven't mentioned him, and he just popped into my head. Because I always really like the look of him, um, is Paul McMillan. Yeah. Um, what, when I see him, I see him as this. I'd, first of all, I remember because I, I talked about him on the on uh, Draw Loser Draw. Um, first of all, I think someone's made up his Wikipedia because it says he's only four centimeters shorter than me, and I'm six foot two. I'm not buying that, <laughs> but um, he, he always seems as though he's just this really, really robust. We low centre of gravity flying winger with decent delivery who can chip in with goals, and I've I've always thought he's one of these players that we should be after. Obviously, we're we're well equipped there now, but what, what's your take on Paul McMillan? Because every time I see him, I've I've always been really impressed by him. Really good, very direct, very direct. He does the simple things so well, and as you say, so fast. He's he's one of the fastest players I've I've, I've seen uh, play for Dundee in years. He reminds me of Martin Boyle when he was at Dundee. 
just again, just fast on the wing, direct, no nonsense. It's just, you know, hit the byline, ball in the box. And, you know, nine, nine times out of ten, you know what he's going to do. I think the defenders know what he's going to do, but he's just so quick, like they just can't catch him. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was crucial in our promotion bid when we won the playoffs. I would need to, I would need to see the numbers again, but the numbers were something like like mental. Uh, I, I looked them up actually. I did. I remember yeah. this. I had looked them up, and they are. If I'll I'll try and while you're talking, I'll try and find them because it was crazy. Like his his assists and and goals in that we run getting you guys promoted was was insane. And even last season in the Premiership, he hit at least ten assists. I'm sure he, he got to double digits, and that's for a side that finished bottom of the league. And uh, that's one thing I always like to make point uh, a point of with players that play for teams in relegation battles or in uh, or that get relegated themselves. If you can hit double digits in any figure, even just below, that's very impressive considering that should be a team that tends to lack service or lack the ability to create service. Um, I've got his, his, his overall done these stats here and he's got uh, 25 assists in 70 games. Just, you know. That that is incredible, and but is, is is he necessarily a starter at the moment? Uh, well, so initially in the league cup, we would I think we played a bit too narrow, and uh, he was having to come off the bench to show what he can do. And it was the there's one game in particular. Um, it was the, it was the Thistle game, the one that I missed. They said that he he came on as a sub 25 minutes in, but they changed the formation due to Ben Williamson getting injured, and he got the two assists for the, the two Dundee goals. And he went on to create another two big chances for us that we didn't take. One of them being uh, he cut the ball back for Josh Mulligan and a shot was over the bar. So, in theory, I'm lucky not to have had a hat-trick of assists in the first league game of the season. Because uh, obviously with an assist, you have to rely on the guy on the other end tucking away. Um, so, I think Boyer's begun to realise just how big a player he, he, he can be. He, he wasn't favoured in the League Cup group, uh, group stage, but he, you know, he, was, he was good against Wraith Rovers, I felt. Off a real threat, and now I think he's favouring the four-three-three formation, and that would be McMullen back on the right, you know where he belongs, and that's yeah, that's what he, he's at his best for us. And he, yeah, big big player for us. I'm, I'm a big fan of Paul McMullen. I should have mentioned him in the same bracket as Nam again and Paul McGowan in regard to the creativity we offer. It just skipped my mind, uh, my mind there. Uh, we should probably um, mention some of our teams. So apart from Dundee and Partick Thistle, um, so we did our family fortunes survey of the predictions prior to the season. The other team that was in the midst, but it's probably based on the playoff form last season, was Inverness. But I don't know what you guys are thinking, whether you think Inverness will be in the midst or not. Again, they're always the... up there. They're always up there. And it's, it doesn't matter what kind of team they've got, they're always up there. It's just kind of in their, in their blood, isn't it, with Inverness? I've, I don't know if it's because they, they, they normally, from my experience watching them, they set out as such a hard team to play. It's just, there's other examples in the likes of England with the likes of Stoke that always kind of tend to be up there. They don't necessarily have to be the best team on the park, but if they're, if they're really hard to beat, then they'll they'll get the points and they'll graft their way up uh, up there. I think if I'm if I can think if I'm thinking correctly, they do have some top top quality players in, in regards to the championship. Uh, you know, Billy Mackay's a proven goal scorer in this division. That always has been. You know, uh, always find the back of the net. Got uh, David Carson in midfield who. In my days of, of, of commentating, uh, I've, I'd make a mental list of like the kind of stand-up performers against us. And Carson, Carson had one of the best displays against us from my, um, my commentary uh, days thus far. Just pulled every string, everything that Inverness like supplied against us on that particular day. It just seemed to always come through him. And every time I watch him on TV as well, he's again for me, he's he's the, he's the standout player. 
Um, I think they've got Daniel Mackay back as well. I don't he know does, if that's yeah, a yeah, yeah. moment. Again, a loan nice, him, yeah, yeah. yeah, a nice, talented, tricky winger. Again, bags of pace. Uh, I think he's got the habit of, of showing up for big games as well. I seem to recall the, the one against Ross County that was on the BBC. I can't remember how long ago that was now. But again, in front of the TV cameras, stole the show. Uh, there's definitely more names. Like, because it's I'm thinking from the top of my head here, there's definitely names that are going under the bridge that I should be bringing up. Yeah, the one thing is they've, yeah, lost, does, they've not lost many players from last season, apart from Broadfoot. Yeah. They've not really lost anyone. So again, you would maybe expect them to be in the mix. I, I would totally expect them to be in the mix. I think the start of the season, I probably met, said my top four was going to be Dundee, Thistle, Inverness and Wraith. And I, I think I'd probably stick by that. I, I fully expect Wraith to, to find their feet eventually. But in saying um, that, I think, I think, I think Queen, Queen's Park will give a good run for their money. You did send me. Ah, uh, you did say, Minim, you said I uh, don't need to win party Thistle, wait and, and run SI. Yeah. I think the I, I just refuse to believe that even though Inverness beat us in, in, in the playoffs um last season, I just refuse to believe. I think they're just like they're a simulation or something. <laughs> because they they cannot continue to perform so well when they have Danny Devine at centre back. And, uh, and and Mark Ridgers in goal. Mark Ridgers was at Thistle for a period, and I've, I've yet to hear our records like this be beaten. But Mark Ridgers played a game and a half, so 135 minutes, and conceded eight goals in those <laughs> 135 minutes. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult to believe. But you're you're absolutely right, Ethan. The, the um, they are always there or thereabouts, but actually, the the real Thistle Party Thistle have have an extraordinarily good record, particularly up in Inverness, um, which is just weird because a lot of teams seem to struggle up there. But we we, we, tend, we tend to get a result up there, which is interesting. But you're you're absolutely right. I'm just picking out some of those players they've got. Austin Samuels was phenomenal against us in in the playoffs. George Oakley, yeah, George, George Oakley, Aaron Doran, is he still there? Um, and uh, the, the boy at the back, uh, Dees, Rob, Robbie Dees? Robbie Dees, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed that I forgot about him because I'm yeah, a big admirer of him. He's, he's, a, he's a cracking player as well. So, yeah, um, yeah and there's, uh, I, I really liked him at Thistle, uh, Sean Welsh. I think he, well, he has been their captain in the past, but I really liked Sean Welsh when he was with Thistle. He was part of our 12-13 team. And played in the Premiership with us as well. Um, Tom Walsh yeah. as well. Yeah, I God, forgot forgot yeah. about him. Um, so yeah, the, the, you're, you're you're spot on there, Ethan. They'll, they'll probably be there or thereabouts again. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I think it just shows you what a, what a crazy league it is because you're thinking, oh, players to look out for with with, with other teams. But interesting, you put, you mentioned uh, Queens Park as well. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how they get on. Um, obviously, they'll be hoping to find themselves at Lesser Hamden at some point um, in in the season. Um, they're still playing through in step. We've got them on Saturday through at Steny. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Again, they're, they're one of these teams that when they were in League 2, League 1, they probably had like a championship standard team. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it'll be... Yeah, interesting to see how they get on. I thought they were a bit of a surprise promotion last season when they won the playoffs. I was actually expecting Airdrie to to, to beat them in the final. Because Airdrie's form had been great. 
yeah. But I'm happy to see Queen's Park come up, and I reckon I reckon they'll be fine. I reckon, like I said, I think they'll be they'll be pushing for fifth personally. That kind of they'll be going for for, for a playoff spot. I reckon they'll be about fifth or fourth if uh, you know if if they can surpass Wraith. If if, if I'm wrong about Wraith recovering, um, I I don't think they'll be in the relegation fight. I th- I think they're they're got a right good side there to to avoid that mess. And interesting things going on off the park with Queen's Park. Um, obviously since turning professional, um, yeah, they've put quite a few fans backs up um, in terms of ticket prices and things. Their their season tickets have it, it, it's something ridiculous. I don't quote me on it, but it's something ridiculous, like a sixty percent increase in their ticket prices um, over the last couple of years, um, which is just insane. That just seems unsustainable. Um, Particularly when they don't, they, they don't currently have a home, so they're not able to have that hub of of getting new, young, fresh fans in and everything like that. It's um, seems a bit of a gamble from that point of view. Uh, but I've I've uh, I've got a couple of friends who are very long term Queens Park fans, so it'll be good to catch up with them uh, when when our paths cross. I checked earlier on Queens Park season tickets are two hundred and eighty pound. Because I was trying to find out, I thought we'd probably talk about ticketing at some point because of the Dundee situation with £24, but they're just maintaining last year's prices, which I suppose is up to them. But actually, if you look at their teams, Ayr, Morton, £22, so not far off it. I think the cheapest ticket is 20 quid. I couldn't find out um, our broker Wraith just now for a single ticket, and that's just because they never had their next match advertised, but I would imagine it's about 20 quid as well for both of them. The most expensive season ticket was at Partick this one, three hundred and ten pound. Yeah, I think that's. I think the others have been frozen. It does it does make you think. Like, what what are you paying for? Like, you're talking about twenty two pounds there, and okay, Dundee just they, they maintained their ticket prices from last year, twenty two pounds, and the two teams you mentioned there. I love Somerset Park, but it's it's probably my favourite away ground. But it's not exactly. It's not of a high standard in terms of viewing football. So £22, and just talking about our game um, through at Steny, it's a good wee set-up through in Stenhouse Muir, but um, Queen's Park are charging £20 for the, for going in the shed behind the goals at Stenhouse Muir for, for Thistle fans. It's, it's, it's just hard to, to part with your cash when it's... When okay, the football's not always of the the greatest standard, but even the facilities and and, and whatnot, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and I think, in particular, that you know, the last few years, I've gone to a lot more uh, junior and amateur games, and um, and this season, even more increasingly, so going to, along to the the women's games, which you know have good facilities. It's a good standard of football, and you know, I get the kids in for free. Um, I was appalled, and yesterday I went. I went to watch the Celtic Hibs game, and I had to pay four pounds each for my kids, <laughs> um, because it's it's usually free or, or or a couple of quid for them. Um, and to be honest, I I enjoy myself just as much going to uh, you know an amateur game as I do going along to a Scottish Championship game. Um, it's you know football's football. I just. I think we're coming to a point. I know there's a big campaign for the 20s plenty um, to to try and drive that through um, and have that blanket across all the leagues. But um, it's 
it, you know, you look at cost of living and everything, there's a lot more things you could do for, 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 for 20, 22, 24 pounds on, on a Saturday, you know, and that's for one person. And, you know, Thistle have had it free for under 16s for home fans for well over a decade now. I think they, I think they charge five pounds for away fans under sixteen, which is okay. It was free for away fans for 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 a while, um, but I, there's not an awful lot of clubs do that. Uh, have it free for under sixteens, um, which to me, I'd, I'd, I'm going to be writing an article about this um, over the next few weeks, just talking about we used to laugh at them because there's uh, at Far Hill we still refer to it as the shed. Um, even though the shed's long gone, but it, you know the singing section of Firhill. So when these under 16s used to come in for free, they were and they'd make a lot of noise. So they were referred to as the baby shed. But now these wee kids are in their twenties, and they have full paying season tickets, and they come along. And that's that was the legacy of the free for under 16s. It, it, you know, it's, it's worked. We we have good good fans who come along in all weather, go to, you know, we took 700 to Dundee, um, I think it was. Um, so they always travel in good numbers. They're, they're vocal, they're supportive of the team. Um, and, uh, you know, some of them do podcasts and everything like that. So there's a, a lot going on. So the, the benefit is there. And I just wonder if some clubs are just about surviving the short term, you know, charging, charging. You know, I've, I've got a nine-year-old, a six-year-old and a two-year-old. And there's some clubs would charge me, you know, nearly a tenner, for so it's thirty pounds to to get them into a ground and then my ticket on top of it. It's just I don't think it's sustainable at all. Some something's got to give at some point. At least yeah. at Park that's where you're getting value for money with the halftime shows. This is true. Uh, you 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 come for the football but stay for the theatre at halftime. Pie and a pint at halftime. <laughs> or and more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, funnily enough, I was on about this uh, earlier today at work. Just in regards to as you say, like you're bringing your kids in. I think if more clubs are like trying to experiment with like you know you you know buy your ticket, like, kids can come in free or something like you know as, as in these packages. I think they've got more to more to gain from it. You know, if, if again if prices come lower, more people will be attracted to the prospect of it. So I've not, I would love to speak to someone that's a that's a higher up at a club in football and just just kind of ask these questions as to why they wouldn't try to experiment it every now and then. Have one game where the ticket prices are you know cut, cut them in half and see how much more improved the, the crowd becomes. You, yeah, you give it, give it a gamble because, especially with the kids coming through, because you want a younger generation of fans to come up, being brought up to support your club, obviously. So, if you make it easier for the kids to come through, easier for for parents to take their kids to come through as well, you know, try and make it as easy for them as, as you can. It benefits you so much better for the the long term and arguably the short term. I mean, when when kids are in as well, they want to buy, uh, you know, food from the stalls and stuff as well. There's all there will there will still be money to to, to generate even if they're coming in for free. Especially when teams aren't selling out the grounds. You can understand that if teams are selling out, but if they're not, get the kids in. But again, going back to air, I was looking at pricing there and you had a situation whereby you could get, I think it was a parent and they called it a juvenile and a child. So juvenile was like 13 to 17, a child was 12 and under for 27 quid. So I suppose yeah. for that, that's not too bad. Yeah. However, if you're getting a family ticket, uh, two parents, two juveniles, it's 50 quid, which is a lot of money. I think for going to see football. Yeah, I would need to check Dundee's again, but Dundee have got a good deal where if you're under a certain age, it's it's, it's one pound a season ticket. I think it's if you're under 
I don't I don't quote me on it and say under 16, but something like maybe under 12. That there is there is a, a method for young kids to come in one pound for a season ticket. Yeah, the cheapest. Yeah, cheapest season ticket I could find in the championship for an adult was a bro, two hundred and sixty quid. Mm. Which yeah. what? Eighteen games. Yeah, pretty decent value, I would have said. Yeah, and they've, they've actually been doing Gayfield up a little bit as well. I noticed. I think I saw that on Facebook today. They've uh, done up the you know their hospitality, the, the lounge and bar, etc. It, it looks a lot more nicer than it, than it did before, obviously. And when I, when I was watching the video, just all the things they've done, I think maybe changed the, the dressing rooms and stuff as well. I looked at it and I said, you wouldn't be able to tell it's a part-time Angus club. That looks a lot, that's a much better look, look a lot more uh, professional, a lot more just, just more, more, more football you know, than, than before. Whereas it was, it was too, you know, not too old school, but, you know, it's, it's just nice to see it get, kind of get modernised uh, a little bit. Just nice, nice to see that there's, because there's been clubs like Brecon, for example, they come up with the championship, they don't do so well. They don't think they change anything, you know, not to reinvest the the, the earnings to, to benefit the, the the experience of the fans. Arguably for the the, the team, as obviously Brecon just completely went uh, down the slope. So it's good to see our growth taking initiative and trying to improve themselves, trying to, to grow as a football club. And Airs United have taken a similar approach as well. I don't know if you've seen their plans for, yeah. for Somerset to, uh-huh. to do up the, the main stand. That looks like a really interesting uh, project. And I was delighted that they're they're not changing the bits I really like of Somerset Park. I, I, yeah. I, you, you guys have probably been like behind the goals and whatnot mm-hmm. in, in that shed where it's, it's great fun, great atmosphere, great noise from the crowd. But I don't know if you've ever sat up in the stand. Um, I was there for... Um, it was a midweek game. I think it must have been October, November, and it was very windy that night. And uh, the the whole place was moving. It was um, an interesting evening. Um, so yeah, I think it's good they're, they're they're making the renovations where where necessary, but still keeping the the charm of the place, which is yeah, which no, is what I you like want. That. I like that. I like that with there. I like it with the uh, Queen of the South as well. I like there's more old school kind of grounds. Dens as well. Obviously, I've got to like Dens, but that's you know just that, it's got that old school charm about it. Love it. Always prefer the old school stuff to the the more uh, state of the art things. You know, just a bit more of a charm to them. Um, and I was just I don't know, I've just went on about like how it's good to see our growth do the opposite of what I, what I appreciate. But, but but it's that balance. You're right, Ethan. It's that balance. It's about sort of renovating but also keep keeping that bit of charm like yeah. you, you'll you still um, get guys like Bobby Lynn getting soaked by waves trying to take a corner kick <laughs> and whatnot. so <laughs> it's all good um, see aside we were talking about Queen's Park obviously Cove Rangers came up as well they've not done a lot of business obviously they've got a new manager but a lot of Cove Rangers fans who read online are not happy about the lack of transfer business is it just because Aberdeen haven't loaned them any more players is that what it comes down to yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I actually listened to a podcast with Leighton McIntosh not long ago, and he was explaining how the, the club have got this kind of, uh, they're trying to introduce like a hybrid approach. Some players full-time, some players part-time. Um, and obviously Jim Jim McIntyre coming in as well. Uh, not the best experience with him as a Dundee fan, but uh, I think it's quite, you know, quite rash that Rory McAllister chucked out before the, was it, was it before the league season began? It was. Ah, well, he's an interesting one because you're talking about the hybrid model. He's got a well-paid job. so I, think I know, that... I know he does. But that was more in regard to Ron McAllister being one of the star players. And then before the league season starts, he's he's chucked away to, to Montrose. Yeah. 
That wasn't yeah. I was I wasn't meaning to connect the two between the hybrid and McAllister leaving out. It meant to be separate. I, oh, I know. I think it might have played a part though. Possibly. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. Um, but they've not done much recruitment at all. I remember we played them in the League Cup um, under McPake, and they looked they looked quite well uh, defensively. If I remember correctly, it was the goalkeeper Stuart McKenzie was was phenomenal, and I looked up his career. And I think Cole were like the first team like that you've been with on a professional level, which I thought was was, was mental. Um, but yeah, no, if, if, it's, it's tough though. You know, I mean, to to come up from League One and have a lack of transfer business. And especially with the managerial change as well, because you know, are these players suited to the manager's ideas the way he wants to play? Maybe they are. Maybe that's why he's kept them all. He's not made, you know, made many changes. But, you know, but having said that, we said it about um, Queens Park having probably a, a very strong team for 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 League One, yeah. and you you could possibly okay, Vigers is aged a wee bit, but you know, Fraser Fivey's there. Um, Shay Logan, Mark Reynolds, uh, these are these are good professionals there. Um, and Mitch Megason, obviously his record speaks for itself. But I'm just looking. Is there five um, in the field as well? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking. Both of their games in the league so far, they've only been able to have five subs on the bench. So that does suggest there's a, a lack of depth there, which will. Um, yeah, we just spoke about it about both of our teams, Ethan, about the the depth and options. Like we're saying, like Paul McMullen, for example, isn't necessarily yeah. starting at the moment. This will have got decent depth, and um, that that's something that could catch uh, Cove out pretty quickly if there's any injuries or, or when suspensions come in. Um, and even, even, I'm looking at the standard on their bench, like Morgan Neal. He's been in, he's been around for a wee bit. He's a wee bit younger than I thought he was. He's, he's twenty six, just looking at it, but um, not, you know, not an outstanding player to to bring off the bench to to shore up a uh, a lead or anything like that. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm maybe I'm less optimistic for Cove this season than I would be maybe for Queens Park, like you were saying earlier, Ethan. Um, unless they 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 really work themselves silly in these last few weeks of the transfer window, but I think a lot comes down to that managerial appointment. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it, I, I thought it was a strange one initially. Obviously, you, you've had experience of the McIntyre um, and, uh, you, yeah, you'll have plenty to say about that, I would imagine. <laughs> Aye, well, he, when he came into Dundee, one of the first things he said was, you know, you know, first week of training, he said that, you know, already uh, this is the best group of technical players I've, I've had the pleasure of working with. And then in the January window, like tries to replace each and every single one of them, and a lot, a lot of his signings were particularly loan signings from down south that just didn't work. Like just, they didn't seem suited to what we were trying to do at all, and you know we just became, went crashing and burning. And saying so that there were a few gems in the mix, but uh, yeah, obviously it, it, the plan didn't work, uh, and we were relegated in McIntyre's tenure. I think uh, we only we only won uh, was it three games. Twice, twice away to Livy. One of those wins came after we'd been confirmed to be relegated. So prior to being relegated, we'd won only two games, and both of them were away. Never won it. Uh, never won at Dens under under McIntyre. And uh, after the, the horrendous end to last season, got Dundee fans speaking. You know, who's you know, if you had to, you know, fight an arm off between McGee and McIntyre, like who's the one you'd pick? You know, who, which one was the worst? Who's the lesser of the two evils? Uh, and I thought, if you know, if you were asking me that question, like considering all 
all factors, I would probably say that McIntyre was the worst of the two. I think he had a lot. I think he had a lot more to work with. So his um, so his failure is much more catastrophic in comparison. Whereas McGee looked kind of taking someone else's team and trying to keep them up. Whereas McIntyre he had a window and everything, and he was very complimentary of the team that he inherited, and yet still I didn't appreciate it. You know, I, 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 you know it's just bizarre. So um, I, I seem to be excited about for the Cove Rangers fans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 fear, I fear for Cove. I fear for Cove. They, they look good under Hartley, um, and I like, I like Paul Hartley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's kind of what got me thinking. You know, the new, you know, if it was Hartley that was still at the helm and the team hadn't changed too much, you wouldn't feel so worried because it, you know it's his team. That's what's he. That's what he's recruited. That's the way he's looking to go. Where it's his new manager coming into the frame, and I, I, I don't think their styles are really all that similar. Hartley likes to play attacking football. McIntyre, you know, maybe he has in the past, but at Dundee, he seemed pretty shy of, of wanting to have a go at teams. Maybe because the circumstances were completely different. Um, who knows? And of course, he's not working with Billy Dodds either, which is where he found his best success at Ross County was with Dodds as number two. And that was one thing that was pointed out to me when he was at Dundee was perhaps like that's what was necessary for the for McIntyre to work was he had to have the right right man behind him. Because apparently, like, the chemistry of their relationship would be if McIntyre would, would say, right, I'm going to make X, Y, and Z decisions. Dodds would sit there and say, "No, you're not. No, you, 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 you fucking idiot. No, you're going to change." You would argue with them, and they would bicker, and then they would come to conclusions together. Whereas at Dundee, apparently, it was it was more if you if you would say that kind of stuff, it was it was yes, man, and yeah, yeah, go for that, go for that, and he was never really challenged. So apparently, that that dynamic between him and Dodds is why they worked so well. Was it wasn't because they saw eye to eye, but it was for the exact opposite because they would they would bicker and disagree on things. Very much the the Clough and Taylor of the the, the Scottish leagues, yeah. <laughs> but you know w- without any success. <laughs> yeah. uh, you touched a wee bit on them, Vinny, and I was quite surprised. You said you reckon Hamilton will be in the mix in the playoffs. Well, it was it was really to to see what happens with um, with, with with John Rankin. Obviously, things didn't work out for Stuart Taylor. Again, that's a shame, isn't it? But um, yeah, uh, it's. Hamilton, you know, even when they were in the, the the top league, everyone just wrote them off every single year. But look how long they stayed up for, um, and teams hated going to to New Douglas Park. Um, so I'm I'm brought their team up on my screen just now. There's a lot of players there that don't necessarily stand out. But there's also a couple of quite solid professionals. Ryan Fulton, I think, is a really good goalkeeper. Yeah. Um. He he's he's always impressed me, and uh, he had a great game on on Saturday against us. Um. And Hamilton always have this this weird tradition of just bringing in a striker that no one's heard of from lower leagues in England, or often uh, French guys coming in, and no one knows anything about them. And They'll, they'll, they'll come, they'll score 10 goals and then leave and then no one ever hears of them again. Um, so that that's why I'm, I, I just wouldn't rule them out. Um, I know from a few ex-players and a few people who have who've worked with John Rankin that he's a very good coach um, and he has sort of waited for the opportunity to go into management. So, you know, we, we, we spoke a wee bit about Boyer doing that, about working with youth teams and, and, and yeah. whatnot and just waiting for the right opportunity to come along. Um, and I think that's that's kind of happened with, with John Rankin as well. Um, it, fun, this is a bit of a tangent, but um, the, the last game I went to before lockdown 
was um, Dumbarton against Clyde uh, at Broadwood. And one of the last things I saw on a football pitch before uh, COVID uh, locked us all down was John Rankin's torso um, because uh, he, he scored a, a, a late goal to make it 2-0 to Clyde in a, <laughs> in a sort of mid-table battle that meant nothing anyway, even if the season had finished. Uh, made it 2-0 with about 10 minutes to go and proceeded to take his shirt off and run up and down uh, the pitch. So that, that was sort of burned into my, my memory all the way through lockdown, just desperate to see a game of football to erase that particular thing. Was that a safe um, torso? Was that a safe torso? Uh, it was, yeah, there wasn't really a hair there at all. Uh-huh. Very okay. shiny, um, sunbed. Um, I mean, not, not nothing wrong with it per se. It's just um, uh, particularly because I was in the Dumbarton end, I, d- I didn't really want to see that. Um, but yes, uh, more, more to the point, I hear he is a very good coach. And, you know, he was, he was a solid professional and whatnot. It seems, you yeah. know, a decent guy. I, I know a lot of people have got a lot of nice things to say about him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, they've, they've held on to a few other key players. Brian Easton um, is another one that sort of sticks out. Um, so they, they, they could be up there, but equally it's, it's Aki's. So I, I think even if you ask the most um, uh, passionate of Aki's fans, they would just kind of shrug their shoulders as well. Of, I don't know where we'll finish either. Um, they, yeah, I, I, I would sort of think mid-table, but maybe pushing more towards the, the promotion playoffs rather than the relegation ones. Yeah. They're another team I, I, that haven't done much business. Only brought in three players. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard good things about Rankin as well. Uh, so I'd expect him, uh, you know, in the past there's been Hamilton teams I've despised because I kind of felt like they had too much of a hammer-thrower approach. And when Brian Rice took over, I could see that that was a man trying to get them to get the ball in the deck and play some actual football. I reckon Rankin will be a very much of the of the same makeup. I think that you'll try to, to make them a bit more of, a, of an attacking outfit, a bit more direct. And yeah, as you say, you, it's not, you, say, you mentioned Brian Easton and Brian Fulton specifically. I've, I've seen Lewis Spence from Dundee firsthand. I think him and Vertanen together in midfield would be a very good pairing for, for Hamilton. They always seem to, Their fans always seem to be calling out for a striker, so it's interesting you bring up the, the Frenchman they brought in. I was completely uh, oblivious to that, to be completely honest. Um, and But their, their front line, on average, that they're 16, 20, 20 and 27, Andy Ryan being the, the oldest at the lot there, um, who's is a good proven player at the, the lower levels, Andy Ryan. Uh, so, yeah, no, they'll... They're never an easy team to beat Hamilton. They're always one that you dread to, to come up against. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they were to, to give a decent push. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they're also caught in that you know that that limbo, that no man's land in between the playoffs and the and the both sets of playoffs. Really, I I don't think they would be too disappointed with that either, Ethan. I think they've they've had um, all these changes recently. Obviously, when when Brian Rice left and Stuart Taylor came in for a bit, that didn't really work out for one reason or another and then Rankin was it, it took ages for them to make it official but everyone seemed to know that he was the manager um, so I, I think if I think they'd be quite happy with a year just to sort of stabilise and then maybe make more of a push for it next season Yeah well especially because there's been so many teams as well that have, have done the opposite like you end up getting them threat of, of going down I mean albeit uh, Partick went through it the, their, their circumstances were completely different to other teams but there have been other clubs that have fallen into that trap Morton were in that trap not long ago a couple of years back I remember they were uh, they were just shy of winning the division then they were relegated the following season that that was the year we, we pipped them to it in 12-13 yeah. they were they were 8 points clear yeah. and well, we, uh, we pulled it back mm-hmm. yeah 
So it, it does happen. Dunfermline, of course, another club that prove as well that no matter how good you are in uh, previous seasons where you, where you compete, you can always fall in that trap and find yourselves in, in the division below. So no, I completely agree. I think if Hamilton were able to stabilise themselves, they'd be quite happy with that as long as they have this prospect to build on and kick on and, and improve in the future. But uh, yeah, so sometimes you, you, you generally need a season to just find find your feet and and stabilize yourself as a uh, establish yourself as a you know as a as a team that are capable of playing in the division. Uh, I'm going to take the listeners back to Vinny's image of uh, Blanken's torso, but it'll be a slightly different image, um, a bit lower than the torso. So obviously we are partnered with Manscaped. So at uk.manscaped.com, you can get twenty percent off and free shipping using the code SFF20 in capital letters. Um, so get involved. You've got your lawnmower 4.0. So if you want to be looking good for the championship, um, have your trophy shiny and hairless, then get that one in your mailbox. Um, I kind of don't... I need to mention a different team because I can't mention Wraith Rovers after talking about that. So Morton, uh, we were talking about Morton there. They had a team again whereby you never know quite what to expect. Most Morton fans that I know and speak to are pretty pessimistic, not expecting much. However, I've seen Morton a few times when Doug Umney took over last year, and I thought they played pretty attractive, decent football, and they've actually started all right, four points off the first two games. Um, Emery coming in was huge for them. Um, they were a bit of a laughing stock uh, last year, and then Emery came in, and suddenly they, they really turned things around. Uh, we, we came up against them a couple of times quite close together. I think there must have been a game postponed. Yeah, there, there, there was. So we ended up playing the midweek and then on a Saturday quite close by. And they, they beat us on both occasions. They um, they really, really st- stuck in uh, in a way that you would maybe expect a Dougie Emery team to, to play. Um, but um, yeah, they've, they've, they've recruited fairly well. They're, they're probably another team similar to Hamilton where I, I, I think if they sort of have a settled year, let, um, let Emery just start piecing together a, a decent a decent squad um, and then they, they can they can look to challenge. But um, at, one of the signings they brought in was Jai Katongo, who um, had a wee spell with Thistle. Um, I, I really liked uh, Jai Katongo. Um, he was one of a few Thistle players who's who made it that that was a father and son had both played for Thistle, <laughs> which was quite cool. Uh, we've had a few of them. Um, but I, I really liked Jake Tongo. He was quick, nippy, really, um, and I mean this in the best possible way because um, I'd, I'd spoken to him uh, once or twice and was seemed a, you know, a, a really top guy. Um, but he, he was arrogant in the way that you want a striker to be, like really, really moany and demanding the ball and uh, you know, mouthing off to fans, mouthing off to defenders, goalkeepers, lines, whoever would, who would give him the time of day. Um, I, I really liked him, a real nuisance of, of a striker. Um, maybe doesn't score as often as he as, as he should, but I, I really liked him. Um, and uh, yeah, I, again, a, a fairly solid team. I don't expect them to be up. I don't think they're as high a standard as maybe Thistle or, or, or Dundee, um, but they'll, they'll they're when these teams will have a big say in who wins the league. I think I think they'll pick up points uh, against um, a, a lot of teams. Maybe not necessarily be challenging themselves, but I think I think they'll have some big results this year. See, prior to the season starting, Vinny, you had them for relegation, by the way. 
I'm just, I don't have them. I'm just putting that out there. I, I, I think... You shared uh, it two games in. Uh, no, no, I think there's just a, a maybe a wee cruel part of me knew that that was going out publicly and I thought I'd just nail my colours to the mast. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think you'll notice I also uh, put Clyde for relegation in whatever league they're in now. Aye. <laughs> to, to be fair, Ethan had uh, Morton to get relegated as well. Yeah, I was going to say alongside the Cove, I've got a bit of fear for Morton. Although someone like Dougie Emery coming in, and uh, steering them through last season as big, and I, like I t- touched on earlier, how it's important to have a manager that understands your club values, understand the way things are meant to be. And I think he, he was former captain of Morton at one point, so he'll he'll know everything what the, you know what that club's about. Uh, but initially, when that happened, I thought you know you know could it, this this season will be the telling, of course. But you can't think to yourself, could it just be a purple patch, or could it was this genuinely a, a master stroke? I, I looked at their squads, and I, I kind of felt that you know it was it was rather thin. I think Jack Hamilton, the goalkeeper, got their player of the year last season and he's no longer there. So, you know, how, how big of a blow that will be, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, one would expect that to be quite, you know, quite the hammer. Um, and, you know, I, I, I look at them, some of these names, I've, I've, you know, I've been doing commentary for a couple of years now and some of these names I've, I've generally never seen before. And so on top of that, it, it's, it's, it's a thin squad. It's quite unfamiliar to me. It's quite alien looking. And they were, like I say, they were in trouble last season. They've lost the the... the uh, I don't want to say the star player in case I was wrong about the player of the year thing, but I feel fairly certain that I'm, I'm right about that. But you know, to lose a goalkeeper, bringing the manager uh, that they have again could go both ways. Either Emery is going to be the guy that understands the way things are meant to be and will give them the appropriate book they are to keep them in the, in the division, or you know, perhaps was it a purple patch and is it is, has it been too much uh, in recent years for them to to recover? Uh, like I say, I've got, I've got I've got more fear for them, but I'm I'm totally uh, I'm I'm totally honest when I say I'm I'm probably quite ignorant with the, the Morton squad. I don't know it as well as I probably should. I know a couple of names, but yeah, not I'm not all that familiar. But Morton and, and, and Cove and even Air United, I think, are, are the three that I would expect to be in, in amongst the bottom three. Yeah. Um. So, wait, so a question that we got from one of our colleagues, from Josh. I would think, going by predictions that I've seen from most people, I kind of know the answer to this one. So, who has the most to lose in the league this season? Surely it's a broth. When you look at what most people are predicting, there's not very many people that are predicting a broth to even be in the playoffs this year in terms of the promotion ones. And they weren't that far off from getting promoted. I, th- I think it depends on what you mean and, and how you define um, what, what they could potentially lose. Financially, our both are, are, are in the black. Um, they're, I, I think they'll be fine. They're, they're a stodgy team. I don't think they'll be challenging this year. I think they, you know, they've, they've lost that wee window. Um, it's as as everybody knows, it's a horrible place to go. Um, you know, not not for fans. It's a terrific place to go for fans, um, but for teams don't like playing there. Um, so I I I, I think. In a competitive sense, yes, maybe they'll be disappointed that they're, they're not going to be up challenging. But in terms of finances and whatnot, they'll, they'll be fine. They're, um, realistically, they're, they're, they're not going to be a, a, a top-tier team. This, this is kind of their, their, their peak. Um, and, you know, our growth fans can come and criticise me for that, you know, if they if they learn how to work electricity. But um, uh, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be challenging. But having said that, I don't think 
you know, the, the club in terms of the finances or anything, they'll, they'll be too bothered about that. Um, in, in my opinion, similar to, to Morton, they'll, they'll have a say in where the league title goes. I think, um, you know, teams, we, we keep coming back to it, but I think fairly, I think teams like Thistle and Dundee, who will be sort of fighting for that title, um, neither of those teams will enjoy going up there. And um, it'll be interesting to see come the end of the season who has been successful in going to these difficult places um, and, and, and coming away with results and then who comes out on top. Um, I don't know how you feel about our, our growth, Ethan. I, th- I think they'll be fine. I don't think they'll be pushing for promotion. I don't think they'll be relegated. I think they'll be in, in a no-man's land in the limbo. I think... If, it, if anything was going to happen, it was last season. That, that, was the, that was the time to do it. It didn't happen. Uh, and I've done some notes. Of course, Dundee played them on, on Friday. And yeah, they've got quite an aging squad. But they've, they've never been one to be too, um, to be known for like an, you know, an athletic team, a fast team, a team that plays vibrant football. It's kind of always been more of a case of the way that Campbell is set up. They're hard to beat. And they have players that can, you know, for five, ten minute spells put it on, you get the glimpse of quality going and then take what they can from the game. Um, they're, yeah, I, I, so I, I think they'll be fine. I don't think they'll be in, in danger, but I don't think they're going to be pushing too much either. They'll be, they'll always be a difficult team to play, a tricky team to play. I think Hibs struggled a lot against them in the Scottish Cup last season. That was also a game on, on BBC, if, if, if I recall that correctly. Um, and we never really have an easy time with them either, especially at Gayfield, as you say. So they're a side that, yeah, teams go over, they, they don't enjoy playing against. And I think that'll, that'll continue. I think teams will, will, will dread playing our growth again this season. And I think our growth will be decent. I don't think they'll be brilliant. I don't think they'll be poor. I think they'll be decent and I think they'll be fine. They'll, they'll, be, they'll be a loft. Right, OK. Um, now, team that a lot of people are tipping to go down as well was Ayr. I don't know what you guys think on that one, but a lot of the predictions that we got back had Ayr in the bottom two. Yeah, well, like, like I said, they're between Morton and Cove. Ayr were the, the next one of my, my, my kind of bottom three. Um, and again, I'll admit, there's I've, I've got a bit of ignorance. I don't know the team too well. I do, I do know a good few of these names, but these are, these are guys that have been there for a couple of years, the ones I know. So I would probably expect them to have more about them than uh, Morton and, and and Cove Rangers. I don't know anything about the manager. When it, when he was appointed, I remember looking at him thinking I'd never heard of the guy before. Maybe that shows my age. Maybe you guys... Aye, probably, it shows your age, but I was, yeah, I was born 2001, so like, it just went right through my head. Um. I remember they had a decent squad a couple of years ago when we were uh, fighting for promotion. Uh, the one that the season got called off due to COVID, uh, and even even the, the following even the following season, guys like you know Luke McCowan that we ended up picking off from them, uh, Aaron Drennan, uh, you know the main names that are coming to mind, Ross Doohan, and that. I look at the squad now, and it's, of course it's different. It's a couple of years on. There's a couple of names I recognise: uh, Masonda and McGinty, two defenders that I think are really good for the championship level. Uh, Patrick Redding, I remember uh, commentating against again, looking at a fine, like a fine player. Houston as well at right back. Uh, they, I remember they had a. They don't have him anymore, but I, I seem to recall it was was Aaron Muirhead. No, not Aaron Muirhead. The one that played in defence. Yeah, Aaron yeah, Muirhead. Yeah, oh, it's too much. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Okay. He's, yeah, he's back with us. Yeah, I remember him being quite a good player as well. I get is it, is it two Muirheads? I'm again. Are they both called Aaron? There's, there's Robbie Muirhead who. Oh. Yeah. Also played for Thistle. <laughs> uh, he's yeah. at Morton. That's that. That's where my wires were getting crossed. He's there. he's sort of attacking midfielder, but it's uh, Adam Muirhead's a centre back who was at here. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Air have always been an established championship side. I think they were they weren't. I do remember them having a brief spell with Ian McCall actually in League One a couple of years back. Um, I was actually there when they the, this game last game of the season against Forfar. Forfar were pushing for the title and uh, Air beat them at Station Park three one. Craig Beatty, I think, scored the last goal. Uh, and it, it, that was actually to stop Air from getting relegated to League Two, if I remember correctly. They were in, they were right in the battle to, to go down. They, they they stayed afloat and then end up shooting back up into the into the championship. So, yeah, from, from what from what I know of Air, from what I've read on them, and again having another look at their squad, like I said, I don't know enough. I don't know enough, but I, I you know I have I have my worries. Um, I know they lost a big player, their top scorer from last season, who's who's now at Swindon. I can't pronounce his name. I've forgotten how to pronounce his name, but he scored 11 goals for them last season. And of course, you, any team that loses that kind of player, you're, you're, you're going to notice it. It's going to be a, a very notable loss. So where the goals come from in that regard, again, I, I don't know. Uh, I, would, I would expect them, if, I, if, I, if you're going to chop off my hand and, and name a bottom two, I would probably expect Air out of the three I've, I've named to probably be the best out of the, the, that, that bottom three. And for them to maybe stay afloat, but ah, uh, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, if, I, if I were near United fan, I don't think I'd be overly optimistic. What about yourself, Vinny? What are your thoughts on here? Uh, well, first of all, I hope they stay up because it's 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 my favourite away ground. Like I said, I, I love it through there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's they've not really had a lot of stability. We've talked. A wee bit about some teams managing to hang on to, to key players and, and, and whatnot. Um, they, they do still have um, Murdoch, um, centre midfielder, who is, I, I've always thought, a, a pretty solid player. You mentioned Sean McGinty, Ethan. Um, when, when, when he was at Thistle, he, um, he kind of split the support. I, I, I loved him. He was just this giant guy, good left foot, um, and just sometimes he would just maraud from centre back um, up up the pitch. He never scored for us, um, despite him being just such a tall presence, um, and you know with, with a good shot on him for a centre back, um, which I was always disappointed about. Um, but then he did score for us. He scored an own goal <laughs> when he was at Air United, so um, that that made me smile. Um, but uh, interesting to see. I, I actually it passed me by that Frankie Masonda had moved from Wraith. Um, to to air so that that's an interesting signing at the back. Um, so be yeah, seeing McGinty and Masonda playing together as a centre back pairing um, is is interesting. But um, yeah, I, I know that they've they've got their their new striker um, Akinyemi. Um, who I think has scored a couple of goals already this season, so he's he's off the mark. Um, and interested, I, I, I'm the same as you, Ethan. I can't recall the, the fellow's name last year, um, who, who was their top scorer. Um, but from what I've seen of Akinyemi, it's a similar build, and um, so they're probably looking to him for the, for the goals this season. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, again, not threatening the top half at all. But I th- probably enough about them to to to, to stay up. Um, they they certainly dug in on Friday night to to come from behind and, and beat Queens Park um, uh, through Stenhouse Muir. Uh, so yeah, I th- I, th- I, th- I think they'll be fine. I, d- I don't think they're 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 in 
too much danger. I think they've, they're just about enough. If if this if Akinyemi can continue to score goals, that's you know that's a huge thing for them. Uh, I'm just more appalled, um, Ethan, that you don't know who Lee Bullen is. <laughs> that makes that makes me feel really old. <laughs> we are. Well, if you're old, Vinny, then I'm agent. So, um, aye, it was a team that had a car crash of a season last year off the pitch, and actually towards the end of the season on the pitch was Ray Rovers. However, you've got them finishing in the playoffs, haven't you, Ethan? Yeah. In playoffs. Yeah. No, see, I've I've always liked Rafe as a, as a football inside, um, especially under under John McGlynn, like in, in both spells that I, I remember them in. I, I thought they were, they were a good football inside, neat, tidy, always had some good crop of players coming through. Um, and the logic with, it, with this season was, yeah, as you say, there's, there's a bit of the issues off the park, but... I don't think that will affect the, the players too much going into this season. I think it'll, it'll definitely sit on the fans' minds and probably the higher-ups in the club. But I think with the players and the manager, the focus will just completely be professional and focusing on the games and, and trying to pick up as many points as they can. Ian Murray, I think, is a good young manager. Um, mm-hmm. Had a decent record at, at Airdrie. And I, like I said, I expect Airdrie to, to actually see off Queen's Park and get promoted. But regardless, you know, one a game away from promotion. I think I, th- I thought it was a good a good appointment with McGlynn departing Wraith. So I would, yeah, I would, I would expect him to make, like I say, make like make that recovery. I'm, I'm expecting Wraith to be competing with Dundee, Thistle, and Verness. Like thoroughly do. They didn't make it easy for us on Saturday. So maybe you know, I know they had a bad. I think they started the league off uh, the league campaign off with a defeat to Cove. So maybe it was just the same case as us. We knew we had to, you know, get a win under our belt as soon as possible to, to get a bit more steady. I think they'll probably be the same, get a win under under the belt, and then perhaps they'll be in better stead moving forward. I mean, there's still some some good players there as well. Of course, the Ray Rovers. Um, trying to think of who who it was that impressed me on Saturday. I mean, guys like Sam Stanton as well. I've been long time admirers of uh, Jamie Gullen up front. Again, just going from top of my head, I'll probably need to look at the, the squad I, I, to refresh the, myself. The biggest thing that I've seen online from Wraith Rovers fans, though, is they're not happy about the lack of defenders that they've got. They've obviously lost Chris Ferrer retired. Like, retired. Saunders yeah. moved. Uh, Benedictus has moved to Dunfermline. Yeah. They've taken an Inguena from Aberdeen on loan at left back. Uh, he got hooked at half time on Saturday. So I think that's one area that they will want to get more players in. Because looking at it, I think they brought in one defender um, permanently. Yes, it's, it's, that's a heavy loss as well because it's not even just the fact they've lost three defenders. They were all big players. I think, I think Benedictus was actually the captain at Wraith before going off to Dunfermline. Uh, Masonda as well was was, it was, it was good when I watched him and he was quite versatile as well. Could play at left back, could play at centre half. Uh, who's, who's the third defender? It was Christoph Berra again. And he Berra was, was massive for... Uh, for Dundee in a short spell that we had him for. He, he came on loan in the January window and he just completely steadied the, the defence. It was it was proper leadership qualities that shone through because he made the defenders around him better players in that run of form as well. Didn't didn't lose a game when Christoph Berra started. Uh, the only criminal part of his Dundee career was he took the number seven as a centre-half. That was absolutely... <laughs> oh, don't like that. Uh, but he, yeah, but like I say made a massive impact and it was very short-lived unfortunately with the, the season ending the, the way it did with the, the pandemic so he'll he'll be a heavy loss Benedict will be a heavy loss for something. I, I was actually quite unaware that they hadn't really uh, backed up the, the back line that, yeah. that, is, that is pretty mental 
Um, Regan Tumulty is another big miss. I've really liked him. He's he was their right back. I, I would have taken him at Thistle. He's moved to Hartley. He's he's down at uh, Hartlepool. Hartlepool, that's right. Um, yeah, I, I really liked him. Um, yeah, I think Rather, yeah, I, I think on they're one of these teams that who could potentially be up there. I think on their day they've they've got a good squad. Um, you know, a, a lot hinges on. Um, guys like Zanata, and when he's on form, he's 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 unplayable. He's a terrific player, very very skillful. But um, we we mentioned it earlier talking about Zach Rudden, confidence player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's well loved at Wraith Rovers, um, which helps his game. Um, I, I think a good signing for them is Scott Brown. I think he was at Peterhead, wasn't he? And he's he's moved to Wraith. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty good sign. Yeah, he's a captain now as well, Scott Brown. Is he? Is he? Yeah, I think um, so. I've always liked him at Peterhead. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Again, I, I think this is the third time I mentioned the Draw, Lose or Draw podcast. Um, but we were having a conversation um, and Tom Lang came up in the conversation. I don't know if you're familiar with Tom Lang of Wraith Rovers and how extraordinarily good looking he is. Um I, I, I recommend any listeners unfamiliar with Tom Lang uh, go and Google him immediately and just be in awe of of, of his good looks. Um, familiar, yeah. Oh my goodness, he's better, a handsome, handsome man. Better looking um, than the pair of you. Uh, far better looking than me and, and younger. Um, although Ethan, you're not so bad yourself. It's a shame it's an audio-only <laughs> podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, Sam Sam Stanton, he's another one. He, I, again, I'd, he was one of these players when when he kind of burst through onto the scene. Um, it'll be a wee while ago now, I think. Um, yeah, it was was it was it Hibs he was at, wasn't it? Yeah, it, uh, Sam Stanton. Um, yeah, he was at Hibs, but he he went to Wraith from a, a move to America. He was at. Ah, is that where he went? Right. Yeah. Um, Phoenix something. Um, Phoenix Rising. I've got it there. Right. And he was in Ireland as well. I see. But I remember when he came through at Hibs, um, being a really exciting young player. To, sorry, that's frightening me. How, how I'm, I'm feeling old again because I, 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 if you'd asked me how old Sam Stanton was, I, I would have said he was maybe 22. He's 28, and uh, <laughs> he made his debut for Hibs in uh, in, in 2012. Um, so, yeah, but I, I, he was one of these players I thought would really, really push on. Uh, Interestingly, he went to America for a wee bit, but I, again, that's, that's a good signing for them. What was bizarre about his move to America, though, was, see, I, I remember having a conversation with a, a Dungeon United fan. It was, the, it was before the... The season started where they went on to to, to claim the title. I, I said to him, "I think Stan, Sam Stanton will be your best player this season." And he turned to me and went, "Are you on drugs?" And of course, uh, he proved to be very uh, 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 you know crucial to th- that United team. And United actually ended that season. I think was it on a run of like ten games that a win, and it came straight after Stanton left to America. So it was it was an odd one because he was performing really well. The team were performing really well. And then he went off to America in the January window, and then suddenly the form completely just tipped over uh, on its head, and they found themselves struggling. He pulled a lot of strings for them, and he had, he had a trial, a brief trial at Dundee. Um, I think it was two seasons ago, and I was actually hoping we would sign him because again I've been a long-term admirer of, of Sam Stanton, 
But for whatever reason, it wasn't to be. And yeah, I agree. A really good signing for, for Wraith. And one player I forgot to mention was Ethan Ross as well, mm. alone from Aberdeen. Him, between him and Dylan Easton as well, that's two really good creative outfits they've got for, um, you know, like I say, that's quite really important for a side that's trying to push higher up and hit promotion spots is your creative figures. I touched up with Dundee, with Niall McGinn and Paul McGowan. Ethan Ross and Stam Stamp will do the same job for Wraith Rovers. And that notably, they were the players that they looked to to make something happen against uh, against Dundee on Saturday. Yeah, before Ethan Ross uh, moved to Wraith last season, he was typically moved down south. There were some clubs interested. And some Aberdeen fans would like him to stay. He was only like I think, 19 when he moved. So, young guy, score goals, create goals. Um, I think he actually think he was captain against Aberdeen, which is an interesting one. I don't know whether maybe they rotated the, the captaincy amongst the group stages. Yeah, he's younger than me. Is he he's half a year older? <laughs> See, who's feeling old now? He's I know. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Shortly lived. My, my first year in commentary, I was 17 and I commentated a 16-year-old playing in the park. I thought, that's not <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, and another player stands, well, I, again, it's not really gone on to the levels that I, th- I thought he would have was Aidan Connolly. I remember seeing, well, he, he stood out for me because he's Paddy Connolly's son. Um, so I, I, it, was, it was kind of immediately on my radar, but I remember seeing him at Queen's Park coming through again. That must be about 10 years ago. Um, and he was in that same team as like Robertson and Shankland um, at Queen's Park. Um, and he's, he's not quite gone to the levels that I thought he would have, but um, he, he's a solid player. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I think Wraith have, have a, a decent team there. Yeah. Um, but maybe... maybe you're like I said, you're relying on players like Zanata and and, and Aidan Connolly to, to be on form, which they're not always. So they maybe don't have that consistency there yet. Well, another player I'm a long term admirer of that's at Wraith as well as Jimmy McDonald, the goalkeeper. Yeah, phenomenal yeah, terrific goalkeeper. goalkeeper. Phenomenal. He, um, I, I think it was he was at Aloha a couple of years ago, uh, which was I thought was bizarre because I thought I remember thinking like you know he can do better than. But with all respect to to Aloha, of course, I thought he could be at a better level. Uh, and there's one game against us. He was just brilliant. Like we just couldn't we couldn't get the ball past him. Uh, he was deservedly man of the match. Uh, always always liked McDonald. There was a there was a time where I wanted again to see him come to, to Dundee. I mean, I'm 35 at Raythrow was you know that's respectable. And again, he'll be again. I think he, he is the, the the comfortably the number one. Of course, keep keep complaining to their their, their 40s. Um, I think Raythrow was finally really satisfied with with McDonald in the sticks. And yeah, can completely see why. And that, that might be, if they do go into recruit centre halves as well, of course, you keeper's a massive part of your defence. He'll be he'll be massive like in the meantime anyway, because he you know, he's he's a leader at the back. You know, I think he'll does a really good job of organising his defence as well. He's one of the he's one of the keepers that you can actually noticeably see he's trying to like, get everything his way. You know, everyone lined up the way he wants them to be. It's it's kind of like the unspoken rule that you know when the ball's in the box, your goalkeeper should be your captain. He comes across like he's a captain just without the armband. Generally speaking, McDonald. Right. Okay. So to wrap up predictions for the season, we've got them roughly, but we usually review it mid-season, right? So we'll go for the. We've got it rough. I've got most of the positions that you both predicted, but we'll need to fill in the middle spaces. Okay. Right. So Ethan, for you, I've got Dundee to win. I'm going, and it's perfect. This will Wraith Inverness. You got them second, third, fourth in order. Uh, I would okay. have Wraith fourth and Inverness third, but in the playoff places for sure. Yeah, I, I would have Thistle a second place. 
Right, okay. And then you've got Air 9th and Martin 10th. So, who's going to be 5th, 7th, 8th out of a Broth, Cove, Hamilton, and Queen's Park? I thought I said I there above Cove and Morton, so I think Cove would be ninth, or Cove would be tenth, Morton ninth. They'd be the bottom two, and then. Uh, no, not by your prediction. Do you sent me? Oh, the prediction that's over. Yeah, all right. Oh, you right. changed it now. Oh, yeah, I thought I said that in the podcast. Yeah, sorry. Right, okay, that's fine. So Cove tenth now. Right, Cove tenth, Morton ninth, right, and okay. Ayr Ayr eighth. Right, that's fine. Okay. In that middle space, I guess I would have um. So my team teams remaining would be Hamilton, Ayr, and. Uh, uh, we've got eight and eight, so our both Hamilton Queen's Park. I think earlier you said Queen's Park would be fifth. Is that right? Yeah, Queen, Queen's Park fifth, right. Hamilton sixth, our both seventh, and then a process of elimination. Right, okay. Uh, Vinny, I'll check with you and see if you still want to kind of stick roughly with what you had. So you definitely had Partick Hustle first. Then yep. you had Dundee and Vanessa and Arkies in the playoff positions. That's still the case. Right. So I've just written down. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to review what I said to some extent. Right. That's all right, John. Okay, so let me, let, me run, let me run through then. So right, okay. you, you write this down and hold me to account. Uh, don't worry, I will. I will. <laughs> right. So um, Thistle winning the league. Okay. Dundee second by quite a distance, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Inverness third. Aki's, I'm going to have in that f- that fourth spot. Okay. Um, then Wraith missing out, so they'll be fifth. Right, okay. And then Queen's Park, Arbroath, then Air United, Cove in the playoff spot, and just for the lols, Morton Bottom. Again, by a big di- distance. <laughs> right, so Cove 9th, AR 8th. Right, okay. Actually, not fairly similar predictions there, those two. I, 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 feel, I feel quite enlightened after this chat. I feel as though um, Ethan's expert insight has, uh, has, has, has helped guide me. Um, because I think when, when I started, there's a lot of the teams here I would have went, oh, I don't know, mid-table and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's, it's been really good to analyse it properly and, and, and look at some of the players and look at some of the, the the lack of depth in a few of the squads as well, which has really taken me by surprise. Um, that so, might get addressed though by the end of the month. There's still, what, three weeks left? So... Possibly. I, I think there'll be a lot of loan signings. Yes, yeah. I actually look forward to having my push shot and having one of our predictions just slap me in the face. Like I, I kind of now want to see Morton in the playoffs. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens mid-season, right? I'm going to round up with a question from Chris, which I'll lead on at the podcast we're doing next week. But just a quick answer: What league is going to be more competitive this season, the Championship or League One? Who are you coming to first, John? Yeah, I'll go with you, Vinetian, as you're speaking there. Well, I think. Um, I, I I think everyone would say, and, and Ethan said it earlier, that uh, Scottish Championship is often the place to be. It's often the craziest league. Um, but having said that, I think again, Ethan, you spoke about it. Um, Airdrie's season last season was phenomenal. I know that obviously they've they've had a they've had a change. Ian Murray's gone. Um, so I th- I think 
you're looking at Airdrie, Dunfermline, um, Falkirk, Kelty Hearts, Queen of the South under Willie Gibson could be really interesting. I think League One is the place to be this year, uh, in my opinion. Even Aloha and uh, yeah. FC Edinburgh, mm-hmm. uh, they, they could be there. Mintrose have got Blair Lyons back and they've got yeah. um, McAllister there. They could be up there as well. I, th- I think it could be a phenomenal league this year. And then yeah, I said last season that all 10 teams in the league could potentially be competing for promotion. Like it's, it's that's that insane. So no, I, I agree. And this season, I think it looks even better. Yeah. Right. Brilliant. Okay. Um, right. So before we do the quick fire stuff for the championship, because there's some quick fire stuff, um, I'm going to give a shout out as well to one of our other sponsors, Supernova Terraceware. They are giving 10% off their products until the end of September with the code SFF in capital letters. So go on to supernovaterrasware.com and also offering 10% off its supply shirts where you can get your mystery football kits. Again, the code is SFF, so supplyshirts.com for 10% off. So thanks to both of them. Talking of kits, um, which ties in nicely, what's the best kit in the championship this year? Ethan, that you've seen. If you've not seen them all, don't worry. Just go with what you've seen and what you like best. I'm trying to think because there's some there's some belters in the Premiership that I really like. Um, championship. Am I right? Just have a, a cheeky little look. Aye, that's I'm fine. At the moment, just I'm, I just I just want to refresh myself. I'm not thinking of last season's kits or anything for some of them. Aye, that's fine. Well, while, while we're talking about that, we're still disappointed that Patrick Thistle didn't release the Kingsley top. Well, it is as, getting released. Aye, but, getting as, released. but as the actual home top. because I think they, they will wear it at some point. They will wear it. But, you know, have, having said that, um, first of all, I, I thought it was a, a, a great way the, the media team did the, the strip unveiling. It happened to coincide with a, an article I'd written um, about football shirts and, and all the fascination uh, behind it, which is great fun to put together. Uh, but the, I thought the media team at Thistle did a great job of, of, of doing those teasers and whatnot, and it ended up, you know, it was trending on Instagram and, and, and Twitter, um, you know, worldwide, which is great to see. But, and I, I, I hope you don't see it as just being me being a Thistle fan, but I genuinely think the, the Thistle kit this year is is, is a thing of beauty. Um, we've, we've had some kit manufacturers make horrendous mistakes when it's just it, it's, it's red or red and yellow. You either do stripes or hoops, and not 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 much can can go wrong with it. Um, but this year, bringing the hoops back, bringing the white shorts back, I, I, I think it's a, a really really handsome looking kit. Um, uh, both 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 my boys got it as soon as it was released. It looks great on the pitch. So uh, yeah, I'd say the thistle kit this year. Right. Okay. So having a quick look to refresh my memory there. If I'm gonna, I, I would like I would like to say Dundee home kit. But if I'm gonna exclude that because it's, it's it's just easy because uh, I, I do really like it. Just plain dark blue, nice white collars. Uh, sponsor looks well on it. Classic Dundee for me. If I'm going to exclude a Dundee pick, then uh, really, I noticed on Saturday Ruth Rovers' home kit is really nice. Again, it's a similar kind of colour, uh, but what what makes what probably makes theirs slightly better for me is the, the bit of red in it. It's got red in the collar, red, the nice thin red stripes going down the way as well. Uh, again, the sponsor looks nice on it as well. It was uh, some some sort of hotel. 
Oh, Dean Park Hotel. Yeah, I've just brought it up. That is that is a very smart kit. Yeah. And the underline, yes, it's a very very nice kit from Wraith Rovers. And if we're going to include away kits as well, they're United for me. It's all black, nice th- again thin thin lines. Just looks smart. Doesn't look out of place. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, who is going to be the top scorer in the league this season, Ethan? For you can say for Dundee first of all, who do you think Dundee's top scorer will be? I'll back Zach Rudden to bag bag those in Dundee. Okay. Uh, the re- the reason why I, I I excel there is because with the transfer window not done yet, I think potentially the top scoring league could be a striker that's yet to sign for for any of the teams. Because you know, just don't know. But going by what's there at the moment, um. Billy Mackay is a safe shout. Right. Always, again, always finds the back of the net. Good, good with both feet, good with his head. Poacher takes penalties, and I'm expecting Inverness to be up there. So, and he, you know, he's got a knack for showing up in the big occasion. I'd, yeah, back Billy Mackay to be the league's top scorer of the season. Okay. As, as it stands. Aye, is it, it's even like, well, like predictions, it's difficult to predict by like a few weeks away, but aye, the top scorer one could be a loan signing from somewhere else or a permanent signing. So, We'll see what happens. Um, Vinny, what about you? Who do you think Partick Thistle's top scorer will be? Um, I'm tempted to say Brian Graham, but I'm not sure if he'll, if he'll last the whole season. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the, the, the guy's just still got hunger for it. Scored a, a great goal, fantastic movement for our equaliser on, on Saturday. So I'll go for the big man, go for Brian Graham. Um, you're not back in down. Danny Mullen. <laughs> no, he's not very clinical. Like he, may, he misses some absolute sitters. He'll drive you nuts in that regard. <laughs> I look forward to it. I'm sure he'll, he'll fit in nicely at Thistle in that regard. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I would agree with you, Ethan, uh, uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, Billy McKay. I think I think he's he's always there or thereabouts in the scoring charts. He's, he's probably guaranteed double figures. He's one of these players, isn't he? Um, yeah. But uh, interesting to see what um, Akinyemi does uh Air United as well, obviously off the mark uh, with a couple of goals already. Um, so he, he could be up there as well. And we will be, yeah, Cove will be excited to see if Mitch Meganson can keep scoring goals at this level. He's done it consistently at every level he's played at. Um, so he, he could be in with the show as well. But if I'm going to go for one... If all of them, ah, let's go for Brian Graham. <laughs> You're correct, okay, going for Brian Graham, right? Okay, fair enough. Because last year's top scorer was McKenna, wasn't it? For Abro. So McKenna, that's right, got about 14. Right. Yeah. 14 um, so I will see what happens. And then finally, and again, this is a thought one, but at the moment, as it stands, who is your best signing of the summer, Ethan? Uh, we've only signed three players. Um, so it's for us. It's between uh, at the moment Zach Robinson, who's, who's, who's literally signed like an hour before kickoff against Park Thistle. He does, he does look really good. To be fair, from what I've seen of him so far, um, we signed Ben Williamson on loan from Rangers, and we signed Tyler French. So as it stands, I would go with Tyler French because I've seen more of him. Uh, he's he's been starting compared to the other, the other two as well. So yeah, Tyler French as it stands. Okay. Finney, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, we, we've, we've brought in quite a few fresh faces. Really impressed with Cole McKinnon on loan 
from Rangers. It's not often we we say that when we get a loan player from the old firm. Uh, he's he's been excellent. That that boy could go all the way. Um, he had Mayo last year that did well. Yeah, yeah, um, did do. Um, I think if it, if if you talk about old firm loan signings, people will talk about Lewis Mayo on both occasions he was with us. But Cole McKinnon's he's he's different sauce. Um, great player. Um, yeah, really, really pleased with our recruitment. Like I said, uh, Fitzpatrick's been nice to have him back. Lawless, I think, is going to be crucial for us. Um, and obviously, a bit of a returning legend. Jack McMillan, I spoke about. A, a fantastic player, so versatile. Um, wears his socks in a really interesting way as well, which I, I love, like kind of half rolled down. Tiny shinies, love it. Um, but I, I, again, I spoke about him earlier. Harry Milne for me is, uh, like I said, if, if he's still with us um, uh, in, in May, I'll be over the moon and he will have had a great season. Uh, for me, he's been the real standout. He's a standout, right? Okay. And if you were to say both of you across the whole league, who's the best signing of the summer? I'd, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it again. I think because of the amount of teams who were after him and what he's already shown, I think Harry Milne is is, is a standout signing in, uh, across the whole league. I think he's the one that a lot of people who were aware of him at Cove and then seeing him go to Thistle, I think the other one, he's the one that people would have raised their eyebrows at. Um, yeah, given the amount of teams who were after him and the options that he had. Cool. Right, no worries. What about yourself, Ethan? From the top of my head, the one signing I seem to recall looking at, I'm thinking like that's that's very good capture. But I, I don't know if it was this summer. I would need to double check if it was this summer. But when I saw that George Oak played signed for Inverness, I remember thinking it was a very good capture. But was that was that this summer or was that at the end of last season? I think it was this summer when I was looking at the transfers. Yeah, I think, yeah. According, according to here, yeah, it was it was in the summer. Uh, yeah, between George Oakley and, and Daniel Mackay, I think for both both for Inverness. I remember looking at both, both of those signings and those are very good captures. Right, okay. Right, that's fine. And I think that might be a wrap because I'm not going to ask about pies because I know Vinny, you don't eat pies at the football <laughs> until there's a gluten-free option. Listen, if we need to get pie sports on, onto this and get me my gluten-free pies. Um, well, we'll ask you what pie are you most looking forward to trying in the championship? Or one you've had before maybe that you yeah, remember? I'm going to think, well... Got surely got to be here. I've never had a pie at here, come to think of it. And seeing as the, the neighbours are the famous Kelly pie, surely the he has got to have something half decent. I think they sell the Kelly pie actually here, which is an, an interesting one. Um, yeah, so there you go. Right, okay, well, that was good. It kind of felt like a bit like a having a premiership podcast and like it being Rangers and Celtic fan being on because basically both of you just said Dundee's great, Partick Thistle are great. <laughs> um, it's going to be a top four, it's going to be like Partick Thistle. Party Thistle going to win everything, basically. Funny, isn't it? I've, I've got them down for the quadruple, yeah. Optimism. We'll see what it's like by the end of this month, if you're still saying that. <laughs> yeah, I might change my number. <laughs> <laughs> um, but definitely, we will review this mid-season, and I think it's quite good to do our championship podcast by itself. So, yeah, thank you, definitely. Ethan, for coming on again. Well, thanks for having me. Um, and Vinny, as always, pleasure. Um, uh, Thank you so much and lovely to meet you, Ethan. And uh, don't forget to Google Tom Lang of Wraith Rovers. Already have, by the way. <laughs> and? <laughs> I know I can see why you're raving. That's phenomenal. Is he a Love Island contestant this year? Is that what I'm saying? 
There was a, there was a Scottish footballer that ended up in Love Island a few seasons ago. Uh, 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 yeah, the guy used to be at Falkirk. Then um, um, in Lewis or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, because the story with that is brilliant. Uh, he, he went on Love Island and he didn't tell anyone. So he phoned Ray McKinnon whilst he was there and said, I'm not coming to training. I'm going to be on I'm gonna be on TV instead. <laughs> and he's sitting like fucking feeling like, what? <laughs> oh, nightmare. Um, so the biggest take is not any of the football chat in terms of what's going to go on in the pitch. It's basically everyone is to Google Tom Lyon. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And... Right, okay. Right. Is he a model? <laughs> is, this, like, like, is it a guy that's a model that's Tom Lyon or is he actually a footballer? That, that's actually the football. He, used to, he must have used to be a model or he does a lot of modelling in his spare time because it's bloody hell. Like, he, I think he's got a man-shaped boxers on. That picture. <laughs> Um, right, okay. Well, thanks again to both of you, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye.